Jesus, David Coley is choking out Davis Mills. Don't take care of y'all chicken. You feel me? Don't take care of y'all mental. Welcome in to the Fantasy Flexicution Execution Podcast. I am your host, Brett Pelashotti. With me now and always is my boy, Kyle Settle. What's going on, man? Hey, brother. Hey, do you have any fantasy leagues right now that currently play a DST? No, I don't. No? Man, I'm happy Good for about you. that. No, definitely. I have I, All my leagues are kicker-free now, thank goodness. But I have one league that still plays DSTs, and... Thank goodness for me. I was able to snag the Panthers on waivers, and I'm playing them tonight. Feeling pretty good about it going into halftime. <laughs> that had to be the number one waiver claim. <laughs> I mean, you would have thought Houston so. I mean, Mills? Oh. I, I, God, it's it's someone I know's home league. It's Dylan's home league. Shout out, Dylan. But, yeah, I think there was two claims on it, and I bid like six bucks. The other guy didn't claim a penny, so I'll take that. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Set it and forget it with them. So I have something interesting to get us started here today. We're into week two or almost into week three. So I think it's about time we start having some like conviction on certain guys. So I wanted to give you some some quick player and where they're at currently. And I want you to give me a higher or lower where they're going to finish. I don't okay, need a number okay. higher or lower. I just want to yeah, see yeah, I got you. initial reaction. Okay, Let's do it. Sounds fun. All right. Jalen Hurts, quarterback seven. Higher or lower? Higher. Ooh. Yeah, so coming you, so with the think, smoke on the first take. What's yeah, so up? you think he's going to finish higher than QB7? I do. I think it starts yeah. this week against Dallas in prime time. He's going to be put on full display. Woo. All right. I only have a few more. Okay. Chase Edmonds, RB20. Lower. Lower. See, that Watch one lower. I think was tough because, you know, James Conner's not much of anything over there. And, you know, it's a great offense. He could luck into double-digit touchdowns and no one, no. Would, no I, one dude, would bat I an will. eye, you know. I will quit fantasy if Chase Edmonds gets double-digit touchdowns. There's not a snowball's chance in hell. He's not used around the goal line. He's not explosive enough to make big plays on his own. No way he gets double. That's why he's not going to be a top-20 guy. He's going to have a decent amount of yards, decent amount of catches. He won't get in the end zone. It's not the type of back he is. I like the conviction. These next two guys are back-to-back in the rankings. Terry McLaurin, wide receiver 16. Higher. That's the one I am. I am not as convinced on that one as I was on the first two, but I will still say higher. (laughs) I'm Ron Burgundy. Damn it! Who typed a question mark on the teleprompter? I had a question mark at the end for sure. (laughs) If it wasn't Heineke, if it was still Fitzpatrick, I would have no hesitation there, obviously. But seeing the way Heineke force-fed him on last Thursday night's game has to be encouraging. All right, only two more left. Like I said, this next guy is going right after Terry McLaurin. DJ Moore, wide receiver 17. How can I watch the first half of this game and not say <laughs> higher? Kid is hot. Yeah, he's on fire. I, that was the one that I saw, and I was like, I should probably take it off the list after this first half because he is killing it. Granted, it is the Texans, but either way, it looks like he's got great chemistry with Sam Darnold. And the last one, Robert Tanyan, tight end 12. Higher. Higher, okay. Higher. I know that's, I know. Yeah, that's easy. I, know uh, I was a little lower on him than you were. I think I was at least. Um, but after week two, I think people are starting to settle down with him a little bit. I think they're a lot more comfortable. Just wanted to see where your head's at. Do you uh, start Anthony Miller in any leagues this week as a no. deep dart throw? He just no, punched one not. into the end zone right before halftime. He's the kind of guy that you throw into like the MVP slot for the DFS lineup just to oh, hope gosh. you get like really lucky. Yeah, it makes <laughs> he some scores, money like, two, this three week. Touchdowns. I think you and I in the same league have both dropped him within the last three months. I think right. I think uh, one of us was holding him, dropped him. He got traded. The other one picked him up and then dropped him a few weeks later. <laughs> yeah, when someone gets traded, you you have this like theoretical upside in your head. You're like, sure, oh, they, yeah, they you traded your best him, case yeah. scenario. Yeah, yeah, uh, but you get brought down to earth real quick when you realize sure that it's Anthony Miller. All right, so what do we have on tap today? We have the weekly preview going through every game on the slate, trying to give you a little something about a little bit of something. And then we have our contender and rebuilder buys and sells, followed by our final and our best segment, 
And I think I'm on tap for today's last segment, right? It's me. Uh, yeah, I did last week. I I so you better be prepared. You sound like you're just ready to go, so I'm sure you'll be good. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Jesus, David this? Coley is choking out Davis Mills. What? Like, like, oh, like he was no. not physically fighting him. Like, he just scored a touchdown. He came back, and Cully wrapped both hands around his neck and just started <laughs> shaking him. No, uh, you're, oh, my gosh. You're going to see replays of that. You can't wait. In the meantime, I think we should get to some news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! X-Street, X-Street, read all about it. Check it out. Newspapers for sale. We have breaking news. Breaking news. I'm toasted. You are fake news. And boom goes the dynamite. Justin Fields declared the starter for week three. Andy Dalton is out with that bone bruise. So... It's about time, you know, week three. It's about when everybody called it. Justin Fields is the starter in Chicago. But do you think he'll be the starter long-term, or do you think they're going to send Andy Dalton back in when he when he heals up? I'll tell you what. There's, prob- there's two different scenarios here, because if Fields plays well and the Bears are winning games, then you can't go back to Dalton. Like you'll, You will lose your job no matter how this season goes if you turn on the fan base like that. They want to see their first-round pick, their first-round quarterback play. The only way they go back to Andy Dalton is if one of two things happens. Either Fields is just terrible out there, doesn't know what he's doing, or the team continues to lose games. I think if the team is winning and Fields is playing at least decent football, he keeps that job no matter what. But knowing Matt Nagy, I wouldn't be surprised if either they're losing or Fields isn't playing well to see him get the pull as soon as Andy Dalton's ready to go again. Yeah, I don't think that it's ever a good idea to send a rookie in there and then pull him, um, no matter what. In my opinion, I think any experience is, is usually pretty good experience as long as you have a good situ- at least a good head coach that can keep your expectations managed. But, I mean, you look at what Miami did last year with Tua where they kept putting him in and taking him out and putting him in and taking him out. I think mm-hmm. that kind of messes with guys. I would much rather just have him deal with the growing pains in a season where you know you're not going to play for Super Bowl um, or at least, hopefully, they they know that they're not going to play for a Super Bowl. All right, um, I got dream. I, yeah. I got the dream scenario. So they've got Cleveland this week, then Detroit, Vegas, and Green Bay. I want Andy Dalton to get healthy right before Week Seven when they go into the Gulag, <laughs> where they go to Tampa, host San Francisco, and then to Pittsburgh in three consecutive weeks, followed by their Week Ten bye, and then it's Justin Fields the rest of the way. That's what I want to see happen. I mean, Dude, I- assuming he doesn't just start the rest of the season straight up. Yeah, I mean, even the games that you mentioned before that are tough. I mean, this week's game against Cleveland, we're going to talk about it a little bit. It's really tough. It's a hard matchup. And then uh, Vegas is really hot. Green Bay, we know they're pretty good. Like, No, what? Hold on. Don't try to sneak that in there. Green Bay is not pretty good. <laughs> they're pretty good. Come on. I know you're, no. you're down on them a little bit, but they're they're pretty damn good. Oh, okay. oh all right. I'll hold you to that. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I told you, you before, to like, I'm a little concerned about the defense, but overall, well, I mean, it's be. still – one of the best, if not the best quarterback in the league right now. So, come on. Hell, we got good play. All right, I'm not going to – we could talk about this for <laughs> half the show. Somehow I'm trying to convince you that Green Bay is good. You know, things are wrong. I am a Packers fan, but I'm a pessimistic fan at that. You know I think this. we all are a little bit. All right, the Colts, they could play – they could potentially play both Brett Hundley, who they just caught off on a practice squad, and Jacob Easton on Sunday if Carson Wentz is out. So, Carson Wentz dealing with those dual ankle injuries – Man, dual quarterback system coming in the NFL. <laughs> we'll see. I, I can't see. see how this fails. When has using more than one quarterback ever not worked? I'll tell you what. I really like Frank Reich, and I I don't think he's the kind of guy that would that would do this thinking it's going to work long term. But when you have to start two less than great quarterbacks, maybe it is good to have something different for the defense to focus on. Two different quarterbacks, it, just because it's like one week, maybe two weeks, where you can kind of get away with this. Maybe it's maybe it's a good idea. Maybe I mean we saw Jacob Eason play. He's not a good quarterback, and Brent Hundley's no. been a journeyman backup. Um, I, I just maybe it'll work. Who knows? I mean Frank Reich is is a pretty damn good coach, if you ask me. 
I, I've been seeing the quote the last couple of days, and I keep waiting for news to come out that it was just misunderstood and maybe say that they're preparing both Hunley and Eason to play, not preparing Hunley and Eason to play. Like I, I don't know how to where to put the emphasis to make that sentence change, but mm-hmm. to maybe just make you think, hey, they're just getting both of them ready to play, not that they're both going to play. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking every other series. That would be insane, but I would love it. <laughs> you you don't want to see like what's been deployed in college a few times and have your goal line red zone quarterback and then your between the twenties guy. Yeah, or your your Hail Mary quarterback, your closer. You just sure. send him in there to throw the ball from the fifty. The Ryan Fitzpatrick of Miami last year. Yep. You mean uh, Jacoby Brissett? No, Did you had well. No, it, they were doing that in Miami for a little bit. They would have Tua start oh, the games, and then oh, if no, they that would, was that was Jacoby Brissett with Phil Rivers. Yeah, Brissett did it with Rivers. He he was – I wouldn't be surprised to see him even do it with Tua a little bit down in Miami again mm-hmm. this year. And our last bit of news, the 49ers, inevitably they had to sign one running back, right, because we, we talked about last week how many guys they had injured in that RB room. They signed Jaquez, Jaquez Patrick from – uh, Jacques! Wait. Clean in! Wait. Ocean! Ooh, la mer! Bon! Voila, from Cincinnati's practice squad, I believe. Yes. Jacquez Patrick. Man, I, I know he had a stint in the AAF, I believe, or XFL. Right, yeah. One of those. Yeah, one, you know, one of the two, yeah. <laughs> one of those second-tier organizations. Right. And he showed out a little bit. Um, when you look at him as a player, he's he's definitely huge. I mean, I think he's like 240, uh, but he's not fast. He's not very agile. He's not very athletic. Um, if he can be a one-cut guy for the 49ers – he could be valuable, but how long is that going to last with, you know, three RBs that are going to be playing in front of him on short-term injuries, not necessarily, you know, long season enders? Well, it is something worth bringing up. Like you mentioned, since he came over from another team's practice squad, he has to stay on the 53-man roster for, I think, the minimum is three weeks. Now, that doesn't mean he needs to be active on game day. He could still be a part of the 53-man roster and be a part of their game day inactive. So that doesn't necessarily mean he's absolutely suiting up. But the fact that they had enough confidence to say that this is a guy we're going to put on our 53-man roster in spite of all the running backs that we've brought in in the last few weeks and the last few months to say that, yeah, he's 100% going to be making the 53 means they have to like him at least a little bit. So it's definitely worth a, a, a deep stash in a waiver pickup in Dynasty right now. Very well. On to the injury roundup. T. Higgins likely to miss week three. That's rough. He say he's had a great start to his season I know he had, uh, I think, two fumbles last week. But in terms of what he's doing production-wise through the air, uh, really positive to see. And uh, especially since Jamar Chase is also thriving, it's like you got those one-two punch. It could be the next duo that ends up being dual wide receiver ones uh, in maybe a year or two. But but he's going to miss week three. Hopefully it isn't a long-term issue. Yeah, this news seemed to come out of nowhere. It wasn't an injury that I was tracking early on in the week, and then it just sort of manifested that, yeah, it looks like T. Higgins is likely to miss week three. It's going to be interesting now to see how Jamar Chase responds when he is absolutely the no-doubt alpha in the receiving game, how opposing defenses will adjust their coverage. Obviously, he's had a great start to the season with a couple blow-up plays, one in week one, one in week two, that'll make the highlight reel. But T. Higgins has still been the one for this team, and I don't know, that may have continued for a while. I expect it to continue once T. Higgins is back. So keep an eye on Jamar Chase, see how he can handle when he's the uh, focal point of attention for the receiving game. So with T. Higgins out, you have Jamar Chase playing the one against a really tough defense. So, you know, really going to be a test, like you said. And then also um, Tyler Board as the number two. Can he step up? I mean, we've seen him do it before, but this is a fantastic defense. And uh, he's going to have to go back probably to play more outside, which we know is he's more of a slot receiver than anything else. Lamar Jackson has missed practice with a non-COVID-related illness. Um, I don't think this is much to worry about, at least not yet, but just monitor the news. Uh, any type of illness you know, in today's day and age needs to be monitored. Uh, these things are taken very serious by the NFL now, so just pay attention to that. Antonio Brown tested positive for COVID. He's been on the list for a few days now. He needs two negative tests in a 24-hour period to return and be ready for this week. I doubt... We're going to see that, just the nature of the, the disease from what I've been told and what I've read. It's probably going to be very hard for him to get two negative tests before this week. So pay attention. But if you have Odell on your roster, slate to start, prepare Antonio. to pivot. Antonio Brown, excuse me, prepare to pivot. 
And our last bit on the injury roundup, Odell Beckham is questionable, but likely to play. So he finally gets his chance to come back week three, and he's already on the injury report as questionable. Or he's still on the injury report as questionable. Yeah, we'll see. And in, in, that was the quote that Odell used when asked is, we'll see. I, I, there's no way he doesn't play. I don't care what they quote him as. I don't think they're going to, with the with the Landry injury, and yeah, they're at, Odell's going to play. Man, if he doesn't, they're looking at Anthony Schwartz, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Who's the third? Uh, Rashard Higgins. Yeah, Rashard Higgins. He's still there. Mr. Slow and Go, Rashard Higgins. It might just be running a whole bunch of, like, I, I don't you, you've never 13 personnel? Just one yeah. running back, three tight ends out there? Yeah, like, they love uh, all their tight ends out there. Austin Hooper. Um, yeah, you got Hooper and Joku and, and then my boy. Hunter Bryant, yeah. Hunter, Harrison Bryant, sorry. Harrison Bryant. I always get them two mixed up. All right. It is time for the weekly preview. The Colts head over to Tennessee to face the Titans. I'm still kind of worried about this Titans offense. I know they won last week, crazy game, but... They really only played one half, one good half, that is. Uh, so I'm still concerned about that. I think this is going to be primarily a Derrick Henry-type game, just like it was last week. And I think you can see the Colts matching that intensity and trying to make it a running-centric game since they're forced, most likely forced to start either Jacob Eason or Brent Hundley. So pay attention to that, but I think it's a great week to start your Jonathan Taylors and your Derrick Henrys. Yeah, I love the running backs in this game. I'm going to keep a close eye on Michael Pittman to see how if it is a limited passing game, which it expects to be. If Carson Wentz is out, can he still get the volume when the pie shrinks? Do you want some pie? And on the other side of the ball, I'm looking to find out who is the alpha of this Tennessee offense. Is it A.J. Brown or is it Julio Jones? Week one, neither one of them popped. Last week, it was Julio. Does A.J. Brown bounce back? To New Jersey, where the Giants will host the Atlanta Falcons. I'm asking myself, will Kenny Galladay overtake Sterling Shepard? Although Galladay did pop up later this week on the injury report. So assuming he plays, can he start to steal some targets away from Sterling Shepard, who has been the by far favorite target of Daniel Jones early in the season? On the other side, I'm watching the Falcons running back splits. It could open a sell opportunity for either one of those guys should they dominate touches and get ready. The Pitts breakout happens this week. Oh, I'm on board with that one, that's for sure. I think it's a perfect matchup for him. I'm looking for Cordell Patterson. Can he finally be a feature back? Can he finally take over the role for Mike Davis? That's my big uh, sticking point this week, something I want to look out for. Heading over to Arrowhead where the Chargers come into town. It's a huge over-under in this one. I believe it's a 55-pointer. Obviously, you want to start almost everybody in this game. And uh, specifically, I think I'm looking at an upset here. Chargers take down the Chiefs in Arrowhead. What do you say about that? Well, I'd say that right now, those Chiefs are sporting the league's worst defense. So expect Mike Williams to stay hot. Austin Eckler has to be a smash play. On the other side, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, just a brutal start to the season. Will he rebound against a, eh, we'll call it solid, L.A. Chargers defense? Next up to the AFC North, the Steelers hosting division rival Cincinnati Bengals. Will the real Chase Claypool please stand up? I repeat. Will the real Chase Claypool please stand up? We're going to have a problem here. Yeah, I mean, this is the chance. I mean, Deontay Johnson's probably going to miss, and then you have him and Juju. And I think you can look for Pat Fryermuth to kind of be involved a little bit extra here if Deontay Johnson's out. He plays a role where he's going to see a lot of those short area targets that Deontay Johnson usually dominates for the Steelers. We're heading over to Cleveland where the Bears face the Browns. Justin Fields getting the start. He ran the ball 10 times in one half last week. So if we uh, if we lay that out over a full 17-game pace, that's 340 carries. So there you go. Book it, right? Book it. Uh, honestly, though, they I call think me the extrapolator. <laughs> Honestly, I, I think he will be running a lot, uh, especially as a rookie. Uh, we saw him kind of struggle through the air, but he has had a full practice going into the full week's practice going into this one. Brown's defense is just so very good, so be patient with Justin Fields. If he doesn't show out, chill out. No big deal. Yeah, I'm definitely paying attention to Fields and how he utilizes his weapons. Allen Robinson, Cole Komet, Darnell Mooney, the three in particular. Very unlikely that he makes more than one of these guys fantasy relevant. So if he has a fantasy favorite target or just a friendly target, make sure you're keeping an eye out for that early on. And then obviously watching the rookies on the other side, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Anthony Schwartz. Can one of them seize the role opposite Odell with Jarvis Landry being sidelined for at least the next three weeks? From one AFC-NFC North battle to another, the Lions host the Ravens, a 
and it seems like every week I'm saying this, I'm paying close attention to the Ravens' backfield splits. <laughs> Is Tyson Williams still the guy? It seems like they want to get Latavius Murray more and more involved. Do we see it happen more into week three? And is Quintez Cephas a thing? Fifth round pick. It's not like he came out of nowhere. A barren receiving core, he has a chance to step up. Yeah, at least somebody's stepping up there. I'm kind of concerned about DeAndre Swift. This Gorn injury is lingering for three weeks now. He's getting limited practices in. Keep an eye on that. I think he'll play, but it's just something you need to pay attention to. Vegas has Baltimore at 29 expected points, so it's a great day to start your Ravens. From Detroit to New England, where the Patriots are always steady and they're playing the never steady Saints. Jameis Winston was the best quarterback by EPA per play in week one, but the worst quarterback in EPA per play in week two. It's basically the story of his career, right? You got the really high highs, the really low lows. You can't really trust him or pretty much any other Saint at this point other than Alvin Kamara. Just pay attention to where those targets are going. If they're forced to throw a lot, maybe we can finally see an alpha breakout for the New Orleans Saints. And on the other side, I think you can see another week of priority being put on the running game by the Patriots. It's a really low over-under in this one, just 42.5. And And, uh, the Patriots, this is a quote from Sean Payton. The Patriots are 108-7 and when they win their turnover battle at home since 2001. So get your Patriots money line bets. Yeah, definitely expecting a low-scoring game in this one. If the Saints have any hope of moving the football, one of their pass catchers are going to have to step up. With Marquez Callaway, Adam Troutman, a lot of offseason hype around those guys hasn't manifested yet. Expect Jacoby Myers to be the top Pats pass catcher, and I'll explain more on that a little bit later. On down to Florida, the Jaguars host the Cardinals. I hope to see Rondell Moore continue to eat into the workloads of A.J. Green and Christian Kirk. I think he's earned it. Love to see him on the field a little bit more. Opposite DeAndre Hopkins, and if Newt can't go, then Rondell Moore could be the wide receiver that benefits the most as far as playing time. Another week, another chance for the Trevor Lawrence, the Fiskus Chenault connection to develop. I know you're hoping for it. Absolutely, and... I think this is the week where the Jags put it together on offense. Not necessarily because they figured something out, but because they're going to have to. It's going to be a sprint from start to finish if the Jaguars want to keep up with the Cardinals. And it's kind of weird because historically we've seen Lawrence be pretty accurate, but he's been missing open targets so far. And I expect a guy of his talent level to get that fixed in short order. Maybe this is the week. Kyler Murray, he is absolutely phenomenal. He has thrown for 400 yards, three touchdowns, and ran for one touchdown in two games. The only other quarterbacks to have done that, Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers. They're pretty good. That's cute, but <laughs> it's great when you're throwing to DeAndre Hopkins. Another great stat with him, man. He's never, he hasn't dropped a pass since week two of 2020. That's 145 targets in a row without a drop. We go from Florida up north to Orchard Park, New York, where the Bills welcome in the Washington football team. Look for Emmanuel Sanders to finally capitalize on his big-time opportunity. He is 11th in the league in air yards, and I think Josh Allen is good enough to uh, realize a lot of those air yards that he's uh, looking for with Emmanuel Sanders, so pay attention to him. Also, if Josh Allen does struggle, I mean, I understand it. He's facing the third stellar defense in a row to start off the year, so maybe that buy window is opening up a little bit there for Josh Allen. And if it's not Emmanuel Sanders, I'm keeping an eye on Gabriel Davis. Definitely off to a slow start in the season. Currently just a 6% target share. And a big part of that is the fact that he did not receive a target in week two. But he still has a unique skill set. The only big body in that receiving core. I'm not giving up on him just yet. And on the other side, does Taylor Heineke continue to force feed Terry McLaurin? All the owners are hoping so. And Antonio Gibson, he's going to get the volume. Do not panic because of the big J.D. McKissick game. Antonio Gibson still learning the position, still the best running back in that backfield. Next up, the Broncos host the Jets. I'm watching both of these teams running back splits. Both teams want to run the ball frequently and run the ball effectively, and both of them have multiple running backs in their backfield capable of doing so. See if one of these rookies can step up on either team and start to seize that lead role in those committee backfields. Man, I love Zach Wilson, but a rookie quarterback starting his career against the Panthers, Patriots, and Broncos might be the toughest start to a career that I've ever seen. So Who did once he again, piss off? <laughs> once again, I need to remind you guys to be patient with these rookie quarterbacks. It's going to be a rough one for him this week. So that buy open stays open for you rebuilders out there. Over to Las Vegas, where deep in the Nevada desert, the Dolphins meet the Red Hot Raiders as four-point dogs. With no Tua and a banged-up O-line, the Dolphins are in for a long day. I think you can look for the running backs and tight ends to get a lot more volume than they've seen 
in, P in past weeks because you're going to have a much more conservative offense going against the Raiders. And Derek Carr, I think he's a solid start until you're going to prove me otherwise. He has been phenomenal, especially with his deep ball. So if you guys are uh, facing a very tough matchup this week and you have Henry Ruggs, I wouldn't hesitate. Throw him in your flex if you need those points. Yeah, Derek Carr has been great, but I would love for him to just nut the hell up and throw the ball to someone who isn't open by five yards, a.k.a. Hunter Renfro or Darren Waller. Brian Edwards is a big body receiver. He's making contested catches. Henry Ruggs is a deep threat. He's going to burn past his guy, and they're being underutilized because Derek Carr won't throw you the football unless he could literally walk it out to you himself. I would love to see him start to feed the targets to some of these guys who aren't open by a mile. On the other side, I'm benching all my Dolphins. No two and no shot. I don't want anything to do with this offense. The Seattle Seahawks travel to Minnesota looking for their second win of the season. Meanwhile, the winless Vikings are looking to get into the win column for the first time all year. Look for DK Metcalf to rebound. He's off to a bit of a slow start because Tyler Lockett has really just stolen the show over there. I like DK this week. And KJ Osborne has 91 yards and a score in week two, but his snaps, targets, and catches all fell from week one. Kirk Cousins is the most accurate passer in the league from a clean pocket so far this year. Did you know that? Familiar story. There you go. Since he's facing a middle-of-the-pack pass rush in the Seattle Seahawks and he's playing at home, I'm expecting a big game from the pass catchers on Minnesota. And like you said, I'd even throw out K.J. Osborne if I'm feeling lucky. Over to L.A. for the game of the week. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers meet the Rams at SoFi. And I think this is a prequel of the NFC Championship game. The highest over go. of the week at 55 points. So fire everyone up. Stop me if it sounds like 2018, but I even kind of like Sonny Michelle and Leonard Fournette as deep flex options. Yeah, you can't get me on that one. On the Buccaneers <laughs> side, I love Godwins and Evans, especially with AB dealing with COVID. Both of these guys could smash. We see a weekly floor every single week from Chris Godwin. I want to see that ceiling that we so seldom have seen in the last few weeks from Chris Godwin. Sell Sony Michelle now before he posts a 12 for 36 stat line with no touchdowns, no catches on Sunday. On to primetime, my Packers travel to Santa Clara to take on the 49ers. Kittle will smash. I expect the San Francisco pass catcher's target share to normalize a little bit with George Kittle being the main beneficiary. And the Packers O-line is starting at least three rookies for the second week in a row, possibly a fourth because they have an injury right now to their fill-in left tackle, Elton Jenkins. So this offense will live or die with how that offensive line performs. There's some big questions this one. in this one. Is A.J. Dillon a strictly a handcuff, or is he more of a Tony Pollard independent asset type? I don't think we've seen that yet. I think he's more to the latter, but I'm going to have my mind changed if they start to use, utilize him uh, more and in more creative ways. And are the 49ers the worst team in the NFC West? I think that's actually a question worth asking after these first two weeks. Heading over to Big D where the Eagles come in on Monday night to face those Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are in for an absolute fantastic game on offense. Um, the only player I'd be a little concerned about is one of the tight ends if, if you're kind of forced to play one of those guys because the Eagles have actually been pretty solid against tight ends so far this year. The linebacker play has been much better than in recent years. Uh, on the Eagles side, I like Devontae Adams, even though he has a tough matchup with former Alabama teammate Trevon Diggs. Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith, excuse me. Who did I say? Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams. <laughs> Devontae Smith, who I wish is, becomes Devontae Adams. <laughs> and uh, Jalen Hurts, you can fire him up again. I think he has a great flow with the rushing and a potential upside in a high over-under matchup with the Cowboys this week. Yeah, for Dallas, Zeke against Pollard will be the game within the game within the game that everyone's going to be paying attention to. And on the other side, like I talked about earlier, I expect a big blow-up game, more or less a coming-out party for Jalen Hurts on primetime Monday night. That's the end of our weekly preview. Hopefully you learned a little bit of something. On to our contenders and rebuilders, buys and sells. Kyle, remind the people, who did we have on this list last week? So last week, for our contender, you were telling people to buy Antonio Brown. Yeah, a lot of good that did. You went and got COVID, so great what job idiot. misleading the people there. For the rebuilders, I was telling y'all to buy A.J. Dillon. Then he went out there and laid a complete egg in week two, so his window <laughs> may have opened a little bit larger. Oh, boy, not a good start here. For your contenders, you were telling them to sell Sam Darnold, the same Sam Darnold who just had a rushing touchdown against the stout Houston Texans defense and for me I was telling our rebuilders to sell Tyson Williams 
Have you have you wavered at all? Have you changed on any of these picks? Do you think the Sam Darnold or Antonio Brown feel a little differently about either of these guys? I regret nothing, and I apologize to absolutely <laughs> no one. Well, I'll say this. Uh, for the rebuilders, it's a little bit easier because my windows stay open a lot longer than when we're predicting for the contenders. So for the rebuilders, I still think A.J. Dillon is absolutely a smash buy. And just like I said last week, he's probably a couple years away. But I, I do love A.J. Dillon. And for the sell, yeah, Tyson Williams, he's a one-year rental. If you're not competing this year, get rid of him. Now it's time to this week. New, new beginnings, right? Turning over a new leaf. Heading to the buys first, I am starting with our contender buy. So, Kyle, what if I told you that there's a back averaging more opportunities per game than Nick Chubb, DeAndre Swift, Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, I know he only played one game, and Chris Carson? But he went after all of them in drafts this offseason. What if I told you that same running back plays for the team that is second in the league in rushing yards per game and second in the league in rushing attempts per game? And that running back is playing on 70% of the snaps, which is more than Antonio Gibson, Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, DeAndre Swift, Austin Eckler, Damian Harris, and Jonathan Taylor. I would have just one question. Just one follow-up question. When and how did you get 30 for 30 to sponsor this segment? That's what I really want to know. <laughs> so you're interested. You're on board already. Yeah, why not? All right. Well, good news for you. His name is Miles Sanders, and he's attainable, and I think contenders should go get him. So not all the buys that I, I'm going to do are going to be absolute studs, and I don't think Miles Sanders is a you know can't-miss guy, but I think he presents a great floor with the volume he's seeing thus far. He's averaging 18 opportunities per game. That's rushes and targets. And he presents a ceiling in the form of explosive runs. I mean, we've seen throughout his career him have explosive runs. In 2020, he had a 33.3% explosive run rate, according to FTN Fantasy. And that lands him sixth among backs who had at least 100 carries last year. And we know Russian quarterbacks tend to hurt pass catchers, but they help runners. I mean, look what you got in uh, Baltimore where Lamar Jackson helps any running back with a pulse be relevant in fantasy. And I think Miles Sanders is reaping the rewards of playing next to Jalen Hurts. So what we thought about him before, I think we really need to recalibrate because the the offense and the quarterback that he's playing with really opens things up for him on the ground specifically. But he's also getting targets, I believe, for a game. So he gives you a solid floor there. So if you're a contender and you need an RB2 or an upgrade in your flex spot with upside, I think he's your guy, and and I don't think he's going to break the bank. I mean, there is a... There's a thought about Miles Sanders that he's a, kind of a bust. You know, he's a low floor, low ceiling guy. But in my opinion, I think he's got a nice floor and the ceiling got a lot higher since Jalen Hurts is the quarterback. There. Gosh, I love the pick. I was on board. I was digging everything that you're saying. I was picking up everything that you're putting down. But, but this is our this is our contender bias, right? Yes. Meaning I'm trying to pick up this player to put me over the top and win a ship. The fantasy playoff schedule for the Philadelphia Eagles and Miles Sanders. Washington, New York Giants, Washington again. That's rough. That's rough. I mean, it's it's early in the season, and these defenses may not be who we think they are, but if they're anything close to the level they were last year, these are two probably top eight NFL defenses you'd have to contend with. And as far as the defensive line goes, Washington is second maybe only to Tampa Bay and no one else. It's just one of the best defensive lines in football. Does that give you any pause about picking up Miles Sanders? I'll give you Washington, but so far in in 2021, they haven't looked all that impressive. But I will not give you the Giants. I think the Giants much overperformed last year, and I don't think they're a good defense. Uh, So I I would say... Giants are mid-tier at best, and I think Washington is still good, but I don't think they're as you know earth-shattering as they were last year. So although it's not the best playoff schedule, we still have to get to the playoffs. And if you're missing, if you're a RB2 or a better flex position away from contending, I think Miles Sanders is a great back. And I think you can get him now before halfway through the season when he's a, you know, he's a top 16 running back. And people are love throwing him out there every week. 
Well, I'll say it. If you're going to buy it, now is definitely the time to pull the trigger. Dallas and Kansas City, the next two opponents, two of the bottom-tier run defenses in all of football. All right, if you're not going for the ship, first of all, sorry. But you should be in rebuilding mode, and if you are in rebuilding mode, I'm going to tell you right now, you need to go and get Jacoby Myers. And it's a name everybody's heard of. Everyone knows Jacoby Myers. However, comma, you may not be aware of the fact that he's been in the league for what is now his third season, and he has yet to score his first NFL touchdown. This is made even more impressive by the fact that his numbers everywhere else are among the best of the best for those receivers who came in at the time he did or later. So let's talk about Jacoby Myers. Through two weeks, he ranks fifth in the NFL in percentage of team plays. He leads all Patriots pass catchers, wide receivers, and tight ends, and running backs of the amount of time he's staying on the field. He's not coming off the field for any reason. He has a 23% target share dating back to 2020, which ranks 21st in the entire NFL and, again, leads the New England Patriots. This season, early on, first couple of games, that target share, right on pace, 22%, which currently ranks 35th in the NFL and, again, leads all New England Patriots. Over the last two seasons, 2021 and 2020, he's played a combined 16 games. And in those 16 games, he has 69 catches, nice, on 96 targets and 811 yards. So pretty solid numbers for a guy who is basically free right now, especially in redraft. But in Dynasty, I'm still a fan of where you can get him. Of all wide receivers drafted since 2019, he ranks 7th in receptions, 7th in targets, and ninth in yards. So top 10 in three major categories. And look at the last two wide receiver class. He's in some elite company here. We're talking about C.D. Lamb, Terry McLaurin, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. The list goes on and on of all the talented receivers who cost 10 times as much as what Jacoby Myers costs right now. Okay, again. Let's bring up the obvious. The reason he's not on everyone's radar, he's not scoring touchdowns, like, at all. He's not scoring any touchdowns. And a lot of that has to do with just the situation that he is in slash was in, but not necessarily the position I see him in moving forward. So the Patriots this season ranked 28th in the NFL in passing touchdown percentage. They started a rookie. Mac Jones is their starting quarterback. I don't expect him to blow up the league with passing touchdowns they're a run first team and they have been in the recent future but look what happened to tom brady in his career not that mac jones is tom brady but he started out the exact same way as a game manager run the football play defense that's how he win games but how as he progressed under belichick he was start he started to gain more and more trust and obviously developed into one of the best quarterbacks of all times the new england patriots touchdowns through the air are going to happen touchdowns are very volatile Like we say almost every show, it's the most volatile stat in fantasy. And as Mac Jones grows, I expect Jacoby Myers to grow right alongside him. I really like this pick. I think Jacoby Myers had a pretty interesting breakout in the NFL and then went cold for a while there. And, you know, every pass catcher in New England did. So it it was easy to kind of forget about him. But with the addition of Mac Jones, it brings a little bit of hope and faith. And if you're a rebuilder, I think you could still get him because Mac Jones isn't exactly lighting the world on fire. Right sure. now, I mean, he had he's efficient and he's turnover adverse. You know, he's risk adverse, so he doesn't really raise any eyebrows. But I think you could still get Jacoby Myers, and I think you get him for a reasonable price. If you're a rebuilder, you like to get those young, uh, productive wide receivers as opposed to running backs because obviously their shelf life is a lot longer. So I, I like that pick. I think it's a really good pick. Hey, thanks. Hey, man. You're usually good at this stuff. I mean, I would never tell you, but <laughs> you're usually good at this Aww. stuff. All right, so we're moving on to the cells. Sell. What? What are they selling? Chocolates. What? No, 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 no. Take, just get it out of here. You can sell anything. Sell, sell, sell me this pen right here. You can sell anything. Sell that. We all sell out every day. Might as well be on the winning team. Sell. All right, the contender sell this week. This might sound kind of familiar. What if I told you? Oh my god! <laughs> so this is back average. Yeah, we're gonna now? do it again. We're doing it again. This is the week of what ifs. Find a new stick, man. I, I was gonna beat it into the ground. <laughs> All right, let's do it. What if? Let's what if I with. told you that there's a back averaging less rushing attempts per game than Ty Johnson, James Robinson, Latavius Murray, and less targets per game than Cordell Patterson, Damian Williams, or Devin Singletary? But if I told you his snap share is less than Zach Moss, Carlos Hyde, 
Tony Jones, and Jeremy McNichols. I forgive you if you don't know who those last two guys are. Uh, <laughs> what if I told you he's on a team that passes the ball at the sixth highest rate in the league, and he's competing for targets with the number one back on his team, who's getting nearly 80% of the work, and he was a first-round pick, and then the two wide receivers he's competing with are were, were being drafted at top 24 at their position this offseason. Can you guess who I'm talking about here? Well, yes, because I can see the show sheet. But if you're going to uh, pull this shit next week, I'm going to make <laughs> sure to stay off of the show sheet, and I'll try to guess. All right. I'm not going to. This is a one-time thing. I don't think I can keep you guys on the hook this long. <laughs> oh, no. But our contender sells Tony Pollard for all the reasons I listed above. But let's get more involved here. So he had a massive game last week, and the Dynasty community used his performance to justify their touting him all offseason. I was touting him all offseason. But I think anybody touting one game and one performance is a red flag. You probably shouldn't listen to them. That's just a sidebar. Uh, but we talked about how he has standalone value in Dallas. And that's true. But for a contender who needs reliable production at their RB2 spot or someone they can reliably throw out in their flex, I think Pollard is too risky because he has limited work. And that's just the nature of his role right now. He only has at most 11 opportunities a game and he has low snap percentages with 28% of the snaps. So if that's the kind of volume we're going to be looking at, he's going to need hyper-efficiency for us to have any confidence in putting him in our lineup. He may have blow-up games, but are you going to be you know, comfortable throwing him out there when he has two back-to-back games where he only has four carries and one catch? You know, Efficiency is so often overlooked, but it's not something you can rely on year-to-year or even week-to-week unless your name is Russell Wilson. So in an offense that is very potent, it makes you want to have pieces on there. But if you're a contender, I would much rather have a guy like Miles Sanders, who I know is going to get the work, who has the upside, over a guy like Tony Pollard, who I'm going to be afraid to throw in my lineup every week, even though he has those that boom week potential. So use this boom week and the community's perception of him to cash in and to get another running back or another wide receiver that you can throw in your flex reliably to go for that title because his peripheral numbers – are just are, aren't there. You know, the peripheral numbers of a guy like Miles Sanders tell us a much better story. So I think his role is fragile, and it's not something you can rely on. And uh, that's why I'd be selling him, especially to a rebuilder who, you know, if you look at most rebuilding rosters, Tony Pollard is, is a target for rebuilders because he's a guy that has a more favorable uh, ceiling next year and the year after that. I mean, he has two years left on his deal, but the Cowboys can get out of Zeke's contract in – a year. So they have the potential out in Zeke's contract. If they keep Tony Pollard around, he could be the RB1 in Dallas, which is usually a very nice uh, asset to have on your team. Uh, but if he leaves Dallas, someone else is going to want to sign him. He's shown a ton of upside. And uh, the, the, whoever signs him isn't going to have to pay a lot because he never had a full lead back role. So I right. think Tony Pollard is a good investment for rebuilders, but contenders, I think you can get out of them now and get a lot for them. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to see this name on the list because you and I were pretty pro Tony Pollard in the offseason and it through two weeks it it hasn't not worked out. I'm I'm not gonna pretend like Zeke got hurt because that's really what the ceiling has always been with Pollard as an injury and he takes over the lead back role. But I think he's done about as well as you could expect without a Zeke injury. He's looked good back there. The fantasy communities every Zeke owner is pressing the panic button right now that Tony Pollard's about to become the lead back in Dallas. So this might be peak value for Tony Pollard if you can sell him at that ceiling that is sort of where his perception is at this part of the season. So I like that for a contender. I think now might be the time to cash out for Tony Pollard. Yeah, so don't hear what I'm not saying. I like Tony Pollard as a player a lot. You know, I don't want you to take this as a, you know, I'm out on Tony Pollard. I'm not. But if you're a contender, I think – you have to make sacrifices with your roster if you really want to maximize the chances that you win this year. And I think getting rid of Tony Pollard and maybe a pick to upgrade at the running back position and get a guy that you can reliably throw in there and has a really good floor and a really high ceiling on a week-to-week basis as opposed to Tony Pollard who kind of you know, has a an attractive role, but when you break it down, the numbers, he's just not on the field enough. He's not getting enough work to be reliable. So... I like the peripherals of a lot of other running backs. That's why I think you can get Tony Pollard off your team for a good price. So you may not be out on Tony Pollard, but I am 100% out on Sony Michelle. 
new starting running back for the Los Angeles Rams. And it's a familiar name. It's a name we all know. Former first-round pick, now 26 years of age. So he is no spring chicken anymore, especially when it comes to running backs. If anything, he's on the back nine. And in his long and lengthy, lengthy and illustrious career, illustrious. he's never even broken a 1,000 yards rushing. All right, and these run-first Patriots that we've all grown accustomed to over the last few years never even broken a thousand yards as their lead rusher. He has played in his career in only forty out of a possible fifty-four games, so it's no secret he has trouble staying on the field. He's missed about a third of his games that he had the potential to appear in since he was drafted a few years ago. And I have one question, not all your "what if I told you"s. I'm sorry, <laughs> oh, I just have go. to I have to narrow it down to just one question. Where is the fantasy appeal? Because there's two main areas, if you have a running back, that you're going to get fantasy numbers from. They're either going to catch a lot of passes or they're going to score a lot of touchdowns. The great ones, like the Christian McCaffrey's, Alvin Kamara's, they do both. But you have to do one. You have to do one at a high clip in order to be fantasy relevant. So let's deep dive now into Sony Michelle, figure out how well he catches the ball and how well he scores touchdowns. He has 26 career catches for a total of 258 yards in, again, his fourth season in the NFL. That's a career average of .65 catches and 6.45 receiving yards per game. Not a lot of fantasy points there. If you're doing the math at home, that's less than one in PPR or half PPR. Less than one. All right. So maybe you should do the math at home. I'll leave it to y'all. So he's not going to be a running back. At the end of your sentences today. He's not going to be a running back who's going to catch passes. That is, again, no secret. So you may think Sonny Michelle, he was the lead back for all those years and what was a pretty decent offense. He had to have scored a lot of touchdowns, right? Right? Yeah. Wrong. He has 14 career rushing touchdowns, again, and that is in 40 career games. So an average of .35 rushing touchdowns per game. That's not good, Bob. Not great, Bob. He averages a rushing touchdown every 39 rushing attempts. People are getting on Clyde Edwards-Hilaire last season for the awful touchdown rate he shared when he was sitting at around 30 rushing attempts per game or per touchdown. And here's Sonny Michelle at an even worse clip than that. To me, in this offense, he projects as a much worse version of Cam Akers, who you already know I was out on before the season ever started for most of these same reasons. He doesn't catch the ball. He's not going to score a lot of touchdowns. Sony Michelle is an off-brand, great value version of Cam Akers, so of course I'm going to be out on him. Daryl Henderson's injury has opened a cell window if you are a Sony Michelle owner. And when Henderson comes back, that window is going to close. and It's not going to stay open for long. They host the defending champ Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week three, who of course had the best run defense in all of football back in 2020. Get rid of him now before he steps on the football field as a lead back. Yeah, I feel like I've been out on Sonny Michelle since he came into the league. Like, I don't feel like I've ever been like, oh, man, I got to get Sonny Michelle on my team. Uh, but if somebody's looking at him right now like that because of the injury to Dell Henderson, then it's definitely your time to take advantage of it. I mean, they brought him in because probably, in my opinion, because he's a great pass blocker. He's honestly a really good pass pro running back. And when you have, you know, a really highly invested in quarterback under center in Matthew Stafford, then you need to protect him. And, you know, I don't know if it the backups and Daryl Henderson were, were willing or able to do that pass pro work. So you're bringing Sonny well, Michelle well, as, as, a, as a good piece for your offense, but not necessarily a fantasy piece. So You're looking – so the attention is going to go to Baltimore and San Francisco for running backs who have just been beat to shreds this season. But L.A.'s not that far behind. Remember, they lost Cam Akers, obviously, to the Achilles injury before the season, and now Daryl Henderson is hurt. The only other two running backs other than that they had on their roster are rookies, so you had to get some veteran talent as soon as Akers went down. You can't just have it be Daryl Henderson in his third year and a couple of rookies. You need someone else with that veteran presence for the th- presence for like the things you said, pass blocking and then just that mentality in the running back room. And my sell is not so much that I'm out on Sony Michelle, and I don't think other people are. I don't think anyone's really in on Sony Michelle. I do think that the injury is going to open the window for you, though, to get him off your team for something. Because if you sit around and wait, let him get on the football field and lay an egg, that 12 for 36 stat line, next week Daryl Henderson comes back and goes back to his old ways, you're not getting anything. Good luck getting a fifth-round pick for Sony Michelle if you wait that long. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. 
So hey, uh You remember Brian Hartline? Yes, wide receiver, Philadelphia, white. Whoa, whoa. He played for Philly, right? Nope. He didn't play for Philly? He played for uh, a green team, right? Jets? Dolphins. The Finns. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Man, I, you remember that? I had so much confidence. Yeah. <laughs> he was uh, He was a uh, great value he, brand Julian Edelman. Yeah, I was going to say, I got two-thirds of my statement right. He was a white <laughs> wide receiver. I remember all that. Yeah, <laughs> he was uh, drafted by the Dolphins fourth round of the 2009 NFL Draft. Ooh, I didn't and think he had that much draft capital. Okay, fourth round, yeah, and he actually had two 1,000 yard seasons. Why? I would not have guessed that. No 2012, chance I would have guessed that. 2013. Huh. Pretty, damn good. And his Ooh, last year, his last year, he had 523 yards in 12 games, and then never made an NFL roster again. Wow. I feel like that's pretty good production for 12 games and nobody took a shot on him. Like, yeah. I, I wonder what that's happened weird. there. Maybe there was an injury or something that we can't recall right now. I don't know. But uh, he, he's, he wasn't that old then. No. But he's coaching at a, a higher state now as the wide receivers coach. Really? So, Ooh, good spot the for them. I mean, he's doing great. I mean, look at the receivers that he's put out in the last few years. Like the aforementioned Terry McLaurin. Yeah. And he's coaching now. He's coaching Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, two of like mm. probably first round oh, wide receivers. Man. You mentioned Olave's name, so talented, but I'm still mad at him for what he did a couple of weeks ago. Oh, you remember yeah, that I when, when that. I was you messaging told me about me? it? I yeah, it. it was. It was. Uh, f- I think it was like a fourth and goal, and I forget which game this was. I think th- this is the no. It was the game they lost to Oregon, and it was a fourth and goal, I believe. And they shoot for the end zone, and they're looking for Olave. And instead of making any attempt towards the ball, he decides to just fall down in front of the defender, throw his arms up, and search for the flag. That's not an alpha mentality. Get the hell out of here with that beta shit. Couldn't be on my team. Go catch the goddamn football. Stop searching for flags. You'd be running wind sprints till you're dead. I'm going to send you to Joe Judge. <laughs> That's what I would threaten any Northeast college with. I know Joe Judge. I'm going I'm to tell Joe Judge to draft you. He's going after you. <laughs> oh, yeah. You were drafted by the Giants? <laughs> watch Baseline. Because <laughs> we're playing basketball now. Baseline. <laughs> what is he? Uh, I know you're going to get this right because I'm forgetting it. What is he saying? Remember the Titans when he's get, telling them to do up-downs? Which part? When he's we telling them to do up-downs. up-downs until Blue is no longer tired nor thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> I had it in my head. It couldn't come out. I was like, I, I can't say it wrong. I can't do it wrong. <laughs> That's one of like three movies that I had literally every word in high school memorized to. And in high school baseball, I would sit while we were shagging fly balls and just say the entire movie during the course of practice. I didn't have a lot of friends on the baseball team by about halfway through the season there. You're just a guy who packed lips on the end of the bench. Come on, Blue. (laughs) All right. Good show. Fun show. Follow us on Twitter at FFlexecution if you want all the latest breaking news. We take all the sources and make sure that news is funneled down to you through the FFlexecution Twitter handle. If you want my spin on it, hit me up at FFMasterDebater. Amen. Love you guys. Have a good one. Peace. What if I told you the show was over? Step